Romans chapter 9, those of you who've been with us long enough know Romans chapter 9 deals with Israel's past. Romans chapter 10 deals with Israel's present condition and how they are seeing this gospel message of salvation by faith. And so when we get to verses 14 and 15, Paul is he's great at anticipating objections. And he's doing this right now because he knew that the Jews would complain well, we, the Jews, we've never heard this. And our nation has never heard this gospel. And so Paul anticipates this objection that they would say, well, we've had no opportunity to really know it. And so he's going to address some things in verses 14 and 15 in the way of four questions. And let's read it. Romans chapter 10, verse number 14 uh, for the context, we'll read 13 first. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then he says in verse 14, How then shall they call in whom they have not believed? Question one. And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? Question two. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Question three. And how shall they preach except they be sent? Question four. And now watch this. This is a quote from Isaiah. It says, As it is written, well, where is it written? We're going to look at that in a minute in Isaiah. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now first, we see by these questions that man is sent by God. This is how God has, has made, the, this is the accepted messenger, one that is sent by God. Man is sent to preach, this is the accepted message. Uh, people are to hear and accept the message that is proclaimed. And then sinners are to believe. The message is to be accepted and believed. And believers do what they have always done, which is call upon the Lord. We did a deep dive on that a few messages ago. Have you ever looked at statistics about how many people die every day? Average, about 150,000 people die every day. Let me make that a little more personal. That could be you, that could be me tomorrow. Let me make that a little bit more urgent. Uh, each one of those individuals has a soul. That soul lives forever in one of two places. Either with the Lord or without the Lord. <laughs> uh, without the Lord, that'd be in hell. <laughs> and then eventually cast in the lake of fire. We have a message that we're compelled to get out to this lost and dying world. Why? Because of the souls that are dying every day. We need to reach them. Paul said, I am pure from the blood of all men. I'm telling you, believers in this modern day, believers, it's like they're numb to unbelievers. It's like it's either through just neglect or maybe they're not taught. That's probably a reason as well. Selfishness uncomfortableness people don't go people don't preach Paul said he said I am pure from the blood of all men 
Because where he went, he declared the truth. I want to say that. I want our church to be able to say that. I want to be free from the blood of all men. Anybody in this town that doesn't hear the gospel, I would lay it on our charge as a local church. There is no reason, because of the tools that we have and the freedom that we have, there's no reason why every single soul shouldn't hear about the gospel. Why? Because Pilgrim Baptist Church as a local assembly is going to get a hold of these two verses. And we're going to go and preach. We're going to go and preach. But Paul, he takes these... There there were two whosoever verses that we already preached on. Look at verse number 11. It says, For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And then he took verse number 13, the second whosoever verse in this chapter. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And basically, we already preached on these verses, but to sum it up, it's, it's all the whosoever's that are opposed. It, it's those whosoever's that want to keep it the law, amen. <laughs> these two verses come in and it's going to shut down those law keepers and those Judaizers. Because the Jews denied that Paul had any right to preach this gospel of grace without the law, without converting them to Judaism. In Romans chapter 10, Paul unfolds and unpacks for us Israel's present condition concerning this gospel and what they're going to do with Christ. Jews didn't want their law being left out. We also see from this, calling is impossible unless what? Somebody believes. Believing is impossible unless somebody hears, right? Through the preaching. Hearing is impossible unless somebody preaches. This modern church, we can come and share. Will you share how you feel? You share how you feel. It's a watered-down gospel. Christians preach. Believers preach. The gospel. The gospel. I'm fine with share a testimony. I share a testimony. I'm not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we've gotten away from preaching and we've replaced it with something that's of lesser importance. We should be preaching. And Paul, Paul, he's a divinely sent messenger. The Jews are having trouble accepting this message. So what Paul does is he takes them back to their Old Testament scriptures and shows them, yeah, hey, you guys believe this. You just don't want to believe it here. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 52. And let's look at the cross-reference. Isaiah chapter 52. asked you to turn there prior but I didn't sorry about that we'll get our spots in Isaiah 52 and there's two contexts to this verse we're going to read which is the cross reference Isaiah chapter 52 look at verse 7 it says how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings that publisheth peace that bringeth good tidings of good that publisheth salvation that saith unto Zion 
thy God reigneth. So when Paul says in Romans chapter number 10, um, as it is written, that is what was written. And so he takes them back to Isaiah chapter number 52. And remember we said Moses' law, it, it just works wrath. Remember we said the law of Moses, it's a ministration of, of death. So these Jews that want to get hung up on the law, Paul addresses that by bringing them back to Isaiah 52, and he talks about this publication of good tidings. Because the gospel is good tidings. And if you carry that message, your feet are beautiful. The gospel isn't self-publishing. Feet have to bring them. You've got to take it out into this world. So the first context that we see in Isaiah, this prophet, he, spe he speaks about two things. Number one, it's the deliverance of Israel from Babylonian captivity. And this verse makes the point to the Jew, if you're going to welcome the deliverance the temporal deliverance that you'll get from oppression from your enemies, you can surely get on board with the gospel, which is eternal deliverance of a soul. If you can celebrate the good news that you have been delivered from the captivity of your Old Testament enemies, Israel, you can surely get on board with the message of being delivered from being captive to your sin, this isn't an old message, uh, my fellow brethren, Israelites, Paul's saying. This is something you know about. And he goes back to their Old Testament to show them. Now, Jerusalem is set up and it's surrounded by mountains. And messengers were very important back in those days. Messengers would deliver news from the battlefield to the king. And then those messengers would deliver news from the king to the battlefield. So you can imagine if you're on the battlefield, you're looking to the mountains. You're looking for some feet. You're looking for some feet to deliver a message. And you can probably tell based on the, the gate or the body language of that messenger coming if it's going to be good news or if it's going to be bad news. So they're used to looking to the mountains. They're used to looking for a message coming from a messenger. And Paul says, come on, you guys are used to this. I'm your messenger now. And I've got some good news for you. And it's not so much about the feet, but it's about the action of the feet. We all have feet, right? What are our feet doing? Well, we're just kicking them back, crossing our feet, laying back on our lazy chair and grabbing the remote. And what we thought was going to be a 20-minute little recharge ended up being three hours and an unproductive half a day. We've all been there one time or another, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll get some hands going up, some amens. I'm not, I am not saying to you I haven't had those moments in my life. But I want to have more moments where my feet are used for the service of God. Amen. Yeah. What are the action of your feet? 
Are they lazy feet or are they feet that are going to go out and preach? Are they feet that are going to go out and do something for God? Are they feet that are going to go to places that are going to help you, not hurt you? You know how many feet are going to the stadiums today? Thousands of feet. Thousands. You know how much I would pay for five minutes on the loudspeaker before the game began? I'd pay thousands. Just for five minutes to broadcast the truth of the gospel. Amen. Amen. You got to go where the people are going. Right. What do you think of the Super Bowl? I think wherever they're having it, I want enough money where we can get a group of people to go out there and preach to them outside the stadium before the game happens. That's what I want. Amen. <laughs> I want our feet to have some action to it. That's the gospel message. They need action. The other thing, uh, um, doctrinally, about Isaiah 52, there's also a future glimpse here that's prophesied about the coming king in relation to the setting up of Christ's millennial kingdom. That is also there, and it's prophetic and in view. The announcement's going to be herald. The king is coming. He's setting up his kingdom. So the Jewish nation, they understand feet. They understand messengers being sent. And so he uses, Paul uses Isaiah 52 to relate to the Jew. Because their present condition is they're having a hard time just believing. So what does he do? He uses their scripture. If you get an opportunity to witness to a Jew, use their scripture. That's what they know. That's what they believe. You turn to John 3.16, that's going to be foreign to them. I'm not saying don't do it, but you're going to have to lay some groundwork and start relating to them based on the scripture that you have and they have. And show them Christ. Show them the Messiah. Show them the good tidings. By way of disclosure, I'll tell this story to make the point. You have a poor, drunken, old sailor that gets shipwrecked on an island. And when he's shipwrecked, the only thing he has is his sailor chest. The few belongings that he has. He opens up that chest when he gets to the shore. And he finds on the bottom of it, it's the old Bible that his mama gave him. He lays that Bible out and lets the sun dry out the pages so he can turn the pages. And as he's turning, he comes to John chapter number 3 and he starts reading that Bible. And that old sailor right there trusts Christ. He believes what Jesus did for him. He repents, he turns from and turns toward God and with a trusting, believing faith, he gets saved. Praise the Lord. No preacher was sent, but the Word. <laughs> he had the Word. If nobody rescues him, if no SOS signal goes out, nobody even knows he's there, if that man dies on that island, he is going to be with the Lord. Amen. Whosoever believeth. And that's the Gospel. But that... I don't want to say extreme story because that happens to people all the time. 
They read a tract, they get saved. They read the Bible, they get saved. Praise the Lord. So I guess a better way to make the point is to say this. Because that happens, God is not saying you and I are excluded from taking the gospel out with our feet. We still have the command and charge to do what God told us to do. Somebody's feet gave that sailor that Bible. His mama. Somebody's feet went. Somebody gave that man a gospel track. Somebody's feet went and did that. The men sitting and rotting in jail that nobody knows about, some Christian's feet walked in there and left them a Bible, gave them some truth. That's the beautiful feet of the gospel. Lest us not forget. Think of Saul in Acts chapter number 7. The Bible says, Lay down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. By the time you get to Acts chapter 16, we all know what happened. Paul, Saul is now Paul. And he finds himself and Silas preaching the gospel, beaten, thrown in jail. You know what they did to his feet? They put him in stocks. There's just something about this world wanting to shut down the gospel. In Acts chapter 16, they beat him and tied his feet with chain, with stocks. And we know what happened at midnight. There was some singing going on. There was some praying going on. An earthquake happened. Those prison doors were opened and what fell off of their feet? The stocks. What didn't they do? They didn't run. They didn't run to get out of there. Folks, they stayed. Their feet were free to run, but their feet are beautiful feet. Their feet stayed and preached the gospel. What must I do to be saved? And the answer came back from the beautiful feet that didn't run. Because beautiful feet preach the gospel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's what Christian feet do go over to uh, John chapter number 13 John chapter number 13 Peter is a great example another great example John 13 Verse 4, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. This is Jesus. Look at verse number 5. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. After the Last Supper, Jesus is found washing Peter's feet. It's Peter. If we were in a group of 12, we like it's Peter. We all know Peter. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, 
What I do thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Typical answer from Peter. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Who denies Jesus? <laughs> Jesus has Peter's feet in his hands and he's washing them. I can't help but think that Jesus has to be looking at those feet thinking, these are going to be beautiful feet because they're going to go preach my message. He's holding Peter's feet in his hands, washing them, almost as if he's just, he just wants to look at them one last time. I know he's Jesus. I know he's the Lord. I know he created them. I know he knows everything about Peter's feet. But it's like he's holding them in his hands and Peter's got a message that he's going to start proclaiming. Matter of fact, what's interesting, go to John 21. Jesus makes a, uh, a prophetic statement in John 21. John 21, look at verse number 18. The Bible says, Verily, verily, This is after Peter's denied him three times. And Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hand, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, watch this phrase, signifying by what death he should glorify God. Jesus is making a prophetic statement here that Peter in his death is going to glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. <laughs> now you imagine being Peter and Jesus is telling you, you're going to die in my service. Now that can either be one of two things. A real big discouragement. I call you, I send you a text message tomorrow and I say, I need to meet with you in my office Tuesday at 9 a.m. And I call you in and I say, uh, yeah, you know that outreach we were planning on going to on the 14th? You're probably going to die. And I just want you to know that. Goodbye. Or what Jesus said, follow me. <laughs> Peter, you're going to die. And you're going to glorify me, Peter, in your death. Okay, now follow me. Who signs up for that? Someone who's got a hold of the glory of Jesus Christ. And put, believe me, Peter got a hold of it. Now, it can also be, it can either be discouraging or it could be a great reminder of what Jesus said, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now, you've got to admit, if Jesus said that to you, you and I'd be discouraged. If I knew that I was going to glorify God in the way I died, I don't want to think about dying. I want to think about living for the Lord. I think it's natural for all of us. Now, go to, uh, go to, um, go to Acts chapter 12. 
Go to Acts chapter 12. Peter's put in prison in Acts chapter number 12. Peter's bound in chains. Look at verse number 6. Acts chapter 12, verse number 6. When Herod would have uh, brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. He's bound with two chains. And the keeper before the door kept the prison. Well, he's in a mess. Watch what happens. An angel appears in verse 7. Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And now the angel makes a very, what I find to be a very important phrase in verse number 8. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. He said, Peter, get your feet ready. Get some sandals on your feet and bind them. Peter, because I've got some preaching for you to do. And he bound his sandals and his feet went out there and Peter preached the gospel for almost 40 years. His feet didn't stay bound in prison. He went out and he preached. Now what I'm about to tell you isn't Bible, but it's Bible history. Uh, the, the early church uh, historian Eusebius writes that when Peter was captured by Nero, Nero said he's going to be put to death and he's going to be crucified. This is what church history, this is what Eusebius writes regarding Peter. And he says, you're going to be put to death by crucifixion. And the early writer says this, Peter refused to be crucified like his Savior head up, straightway up. He wanted to be crucified upside down. He said to Nero, don't put my head up there like my Savior. You turn me and put my feet up. You hang me upside down and crucify me by my beautiful feet. And you look at my feet, Nero. You look at the feet where I bound my sandals to my feet. And I stepped out and my feet had some action to it. And my feet out went and preached the gospel of the glorious Savior, Jesus Christ. And he said, Nero, you hang me upside down because I want you to look at my feet. You look at them. They're beautiful. And any Christian that takes this gospel out to this lost and dying world, God says, you've got some beautiful feet. And you may be persecuted. There may come a day in America where you may be put to death. Now, whether you believe that is church history or not, I'm not here to tell you to or not to. I'm just telling you what I've read. I believe it. It's not canon of Scripture. But church history tells us what happened to Peter. And you know why that happened to Peter? 
because he preached the gospel. And that's not likely going to happen to any of us. So why don't we go? Why do we get excited about other things over the Lord? Look at Luke 14. Luke chapter number 14. Look at verse 26. Jesus says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciples. Folks, Jesus isn't saying go home and tell your husband, ladies. He's not saying go home and tell your husband I hate you. What he's saying is, he's pointing out, if you make your family an idol, that's wrong. You love them more than you love me. The most beautiful and glorious marriages are the ones where the wife and the husband both love the Lord more than they love each other. <laughs> and that's true for any relationship. That's what Jesus is teaching in, 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 in here in Luke. He's not saying we should go home and tell our kids we hate them. He's making sure that, they, that we understand we don't worship our family. We worship Him. And um, look at uh, the 21st chapter of Luke, Luke 21. We see another uh, same idea in Luke 21. Look at verse 16. The Bible says, And you shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinfolks and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. Now, if you have been saved out of a, a family that has had a false religion, you can relate to this. You kinfolk don't want much to do with you. But have you ever been put to death for it? I know of a Muslim missionary who had 12 attacks on his life. Or a Muslim convert that had 12 attacks on his life. He has to wear special sunglasses to go out in the daylight or in a room with lights. Because his own family, his own friends, tried to kill him. They threw acid on his face. His whole face is marred and scarred and burned because he converted, converted to Christianity. Did any, did any of us have to deal with that? We haven't. But there could come a day yes. in America where that happens. Yes. And I have to point this out because too many times we read the Bible as if God dropped the Bible and it was canonized in Washington, D.C. and it's just for Americans. It's not for Americans. It's for all. We read the Bible through American eyes and, and, and digest it through American mindset. It's for all. We are just so blessed to have more freedom in this country than we do in other countries. Thank God that some of you were born and raised in Tennessee. Some were born and raised in California. Some were born and raised in New Jersey. Very different. God forbid. West side, east side, middle. We can draw that lens back and say, thank God we were born in America and not in a communist country. You know what they did to Richard, Richard Wumbra? Voice of Martyrs? You know what they did to him? 
He went and he preached the gospel. His feet weren't supposed to go where they told him. His feet went where they told him not to go. And he went and he preached the gospel. They imprisoned him. And they would hogtie him over a post. They had a post like this that was probably um, about this high off the ground. They'd hang him upside down. They hogtied his arms and his legs so that his feet were sticking out like this. It was upside down. They'd come and they'd take a whip and a pole and they'd go like this. Boom! They'd hit his feet over and over for him to recant his faith. And most Christians have a hard time knocking on somebody's door. Or giving a piece of paper to somebody that has the gospel on it. Because the worst you and I are going to get is, I'm good. Keep it in the church house. That's the worst we're going to get, folks. At least now. What do you think is going to happen when persecution dials up in this country? I'll tell you what's going to happen. They're not doing nothing now. You know, we had a couple come to the conference that we did on the public evangelism. He said, thanks for doing what you're doing. He goes, I don't know of any other church around here that goes out and does what you do. We've got to get our feet moving, folks. Amen. The Gospel is beautiful. Put your feet in action. Go to John chapter 12. I'd, I'd rather fight with lost people about their soul's condition than fight with Christian, my Christian family about, well, what do you think about this strange passage in Ezekiel? Or what do you think about giants? Or what do you think about... Look, we, I'm a preacher. I, I have a doctrine on everything. <laughs> but I will say this. Let's rally together and fight this lost and dying world with the truth of the gospel and leave our little hang-ups on a little different take on this and a little different take on that. Let's leave that alone. We wear ourselves out there. We won't fight with each other in here. we got to take this gospel out. Look at John 12. Look at verse 25. The Bible says, He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. That's why we don't go out. We love our comfort. Our, comf our creature comforts. It's like sitting down and watching a movie, a Christian movie, by the way, not what they're putting on at AMC. And uh, you just can't have a warm fire and popcorn with it. Why? It's a creature comfort. You, you, you like your comforts. God says, get your feet up and get them marching and walking and forget about that. Don't love your life and your comforts more than you love me. And of course, in Matthew 16, Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, say this. There's two books besides the Bible that you should read. Fox's Book of Martyrs, and then Martyr's Mirror. You say, what's the difference? One fought. The other, Martyr's Mirror, they didn't believe in fighting, so they just, that's the only difference. One was the Mennonite line, one more Baptist line, whatever you want to call it. If you're a historian, you probably know more about it than I do. But I do know this. Both of those books give accounts 
of Christians who have given up their life for the cause of Christ and for the gospel message. And in the third century, in 252 actually, a born-again Christian believer, her name was Coentha. She was seized and she was brought into a temple of idols. And they placed her before the idols. And they tried to compel her to worship those idols. But she recoiled and was absolutely abhorred by the idols. And she refused to bow before them in disgust to the idols. So you know what they did? They took her feet. Her beautiful feet. That she used to go out and preach the gospel. That she used to tell others about Jesus Christ. So you know what they did to her? They took her feet and they bound their feet together. And they drug her through the town of Alexandria. And when they felt that she's had enough, they finally started stoning her to death until her body was covered with rocks. And her feet were bound. And we have American Christians that are more excited about going to an evening service to watch the Super Bowl than they are in going out and preaching the gospel to this lost and dying world. We love comfort. Oh, how I love Jesus. Can you sing that hymn and mean it? Or do you love, just love Jesus as life goes the way that you want it to go every day? Get prepared now, Christian. You start living for God. Persecution's going to come. I don't want that for you. I don't want you to pray tonight. I just pray that our preacher just runs into some trouble on Monday morning. Please don't pray that for me. I don't want any more. But I'm not going to stop preaching the gospel because I know it's coming. You don't have to sign up for it. You don't have to look for it. It'll find you. <laughs> Live for God. Go ahead. Live for God. I dare you. Take your feet. Put them into action. I dare you. It's going to come. It's going to come. Because it always has come. People say, well, it's just never been different. Or this is so... No, it's always been the same. It's just you finally started doing something and now you realized, oh, this is what happens to Christians that actually stand up for God. Jesus had His hands and His feet pierced. But the good news is, all things are under His subjection. All things are under His feet. And He's the head of the church. And we are in Him. If that's you this morning, you have no ruler except Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. He is your ruler. You know what he said in Matthew? You come into a town and they don't want to hear you? You might just have to shake off the dust from your feet. Yes. Your feet getting dusty? Shake it off. Move on. Amen. Well, that person hurt my feelings. Go ahead. Keep letting that dust pile up. Jesus said shake it off and move on. Well, I'm afraid. I just don't know if... You might have some dust coming onto your boots and onto your feet. Jesus says, shake it off. Move on. Well, Christians have hurt me before. You think you're the only Christian that's been hurt by a Christian? 
Try pastoring. <laughs> it goes both ways, folks. It goes both ways. I can let dust pile up or I can shake it off and go on for God. Amen. That's what I want for us. I want us to go on for God. Let's get those feet moving. Get them moving. Jesus said, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. You know, the servants were the ones that washed people's feet. I'm not saying foot washing is an ordinance of the church. I believe Jesus did it to show humility and set an example. And we can open up a whole sermon on that. But it might be good for us to really think about some humility. We might need to get our feet dusted off, cleaned up, and go out with a servant's heart. 